What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. I'm your host, as always, Rui dos Santos, and I'm with the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Rigo. Jason, uh, how you doing, man? How, did your did your weekend get a little bit better from Friday? <laughs> Riled up, man. I rewatched the the first half today, and let me tell you, it's got my blood boiling. Uh, it was just, uh, it was not the not not the best way to start your weekend, man. But it's fortunately this is the way the sports go. This is the way the league goes, and you know, unfortunately, it wasn't our time to celebrate against Benfica. They they beat us once again, and with all sorts of uh, drama and whatnot, it was a uh, you know not really the best game that we've seen either. Despite us going down early with with ten men, uh, to, down to ten men early on is even after it wasn't really the best game. I know. There's only so much that you can do with 10 men, but even Benfica, I, I'm not discrediting them because they did what they had to do. They got the goal and everything, but they didn't really look as dominant uh, as you would expect. What did you make of it? I mean, to start off, I, I was aggravated with Cardozo. I think in that position, I, I understand it's just, it's it's a weak red, especially for the Calvary game. Like I, I don't understand how a referee can give a red, but at the same time, the, the idiot knew what he was doing. But I did mention that if Pepe wasn't playing, we were going to lose this match. And uh, he decided it was a great idea to uh, raise his right leg when Neres, and Neres sold it. I mean, hey, he did what he does, right? Everyone wants to give Taremi crap from the Benfica side, but Neres did the same crap there. So I don't want to hear anything yeah. from Benfica talking crap about um, Taremi because your boy did the same there, man. There's, there's nothing different. Like he sold the crap out of that. Yeah, he definitely makes and and the whole thing. I mean, I guess it's fifty fifty if you're going to say it's a red card, but in in a game like this, you don't send a guy off. And plus, we've seen that this sort of challenge made so many times in the league, and the follow through from defenders, and it's not a red card. And I think I think Cardozo, despite him, I know you mentioned this before the pod, and you can explain it right after the whole offside trap and whatever that he messed up on. But I thought he did really well recovering making the tackle and it wasn't like he was behind uh David Nash he actually got in front of him and he won the ball the follow through came up his leg went up I guess and you can make the argument that he tripped over it if you look at the replay he doesn't even trip over the bottom half of Cardozo's leg he trips over the thigh that was going to be there whether his foot was down or up it was going to trip over it regardless um, so for me, I, I can understand why people would call it as a foul or even a potentially a red card and whatever, but I think it's just too harsh in a game like this. You got to let these boys play. I think these are challenges that we've seen so many times and I just don't, I don't agree with the call on, on the field. I think we've seen much worse tackles that were never called like this, you know? Yeah. I think what really bothered me is like, I, me staring Pepe not playing before the game that Porto was going to lose. And this yeah. was one of those rookie mistakes from Cardozo where your whole back line has Neta's offside. Right. And you just, you see this shiny thing and you're going to go chase after him. And that's what manages him to keep him on side to even put you in this position in the first place. What are you doing? You're the center back. Like you get upset, obviously, when a left back or right back keeps a guy on, but it's your center back. Like the whole line is in a nice, nice position to just have Neta's offside. Why are you chasing someone that's faster than you? Use your brain and take one step forward. It's not even a full step. And that is just on an island by himself off sides. But Cardozo just saw the shiny thing and decided it was a great idea to go chase him. 
and he put himself in that position. And apparently the red card, thought, I mean, uh, the referee thought it was enough for a red and his criteria is interesting and changes at moments in the game. But I was aggravated with Cardozo because that's just a rookie era. Yeah, I know. He's just it. not made for these. His, he's not made for these big games. I like him. He's good filling when guys are tired, they're injured. But in a big match like this in the Champions League, he's just not our guy, unfortunately. I like him on our team. I don't want him cut or anything, but just can't be a duo with Carmel. Like I said, Benfica's back line is nothing great, but because they have the pairing with Silva and Otamendi, because Otamendi to me is a subpar defender, and Benfica would be saying the same thing. Because when he was on Porto, everyone would just complain he's a hack job, which he still is, and he gets away with some crazy stuff. But Silva cleans up a lot of Otamendi's mistakes and his his first pace, and that's because Otamendi has the communication and the experience, mm-hmm. and Silva has the the you know, youth and the legs. And for us, Porto has been playing this young pairing all season. Which um, at this current scenario, it's because our guys are injured. But it's either that, or we have two guys in a wheelchair back there. So I, I don't know. I, I like the old guy, young guy pairing. It's just worked on so many clubs and teams. Yeah, and it's it's a formula for success. You want a guy with communication. You want the other one with some legs to to cover up the ground and do the dirty work. Yeah, and then we just it takes me back to I like you know a, a lot of people focus on the left back, the left back, the left back, and I totally agree with that. But I think the center back situation. It we needed another center back, whether it was like a guy that we can get on a free or even a younger player. We just need to get someone else involved in the mix, not just bring some young kid from the B team as your backup option, because getting a red card is always a possibility in a game like this or even just picking up an injury. So and it, it, that's exactly what happened. We were forced to play with a young center back from from Porto B. So I, well, I, January, it's got to happen. We have to really? get another center back. Not for nothing. Wendell's been occupying that left back position just fine. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. But he's, like going, he's in, a major upgrade from. I do. His only issue is his cards. Listen, I, I have no complaints at all about yeah. Wendell this season. I think for what he is and the way he's been performing, he makes the simple passes. He's not a good defender per se, but you know, getting forward, he definitely makes it easier for Galinu. They complement each other well, and I think that's what Galinu needs. He needs to work with a left back that can pass the ball a bit. And that and can I kind mean, of control the tempo at some points in the game. So he's not just working with, you know, Zaidu, who just has an elephant touch. And the second he gets the ball, he panics and makes the worst decisions possible. So it's like he's not he's not great offensively. But I, I, I'm with you on this. Wendell's been, you know, he's been just fine. He's been just fine the way he's been playing this year. But we can't rely on him playing every single game either. But, I mean, yeah, with with the red cards and uh, eventually these yellow cards are going to lead to a suspension too. So, yeah. But, I mean, by the end of the season, we do need another left back. We need something different because it's three years straight with these guys and it could just – it could improve. But the next priority has to be a center back and we have to get one in January because we can't afford to have this happen. And as you mentioned, Fabio Cardozo, he's perfect for – for late game situations, cup games, playing against small, uh, smaller clubs, fine. But when you're playing against Benfica, when you're playing against Spartan, you know the bigger clubs, even in the Champions League, you can't have him on the field. You can't. You cannot have. He just doesn't have the quality. He's not your guy. So that definitely needs to change. And it's just unfortunate the way it played out. And I feel bad for him because despite him making the mistake on the on the uh, the offside trap. He did pretty well recovering, and he won the ball initially. But you know, the argument goes the it's the it's the leg that tripped him up. 
uh, and prevented Nets from from getting the ball and going one on one with uh, Duku Costa. Um, you know, it it is what it is. But I guess I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about this uh, red card and anything <laughs> or, or or what? I mean, I'm just sick of us losing to Benfica by beating ourselves. They they have yet to impress me. Dimity is their best player, and that's all they got. Their goalie is upgraded, and the center back pairing is okay. But like Benfica has not been impressive for me. They they did not deserve to beat us, but at the end of the day, we did to ourselves. So I'm not complaining about Benfica. I'm complaining about us because how many times are we going to get these red cards? Yeah, I mean, like I said, this they, has nothing to do with like. Do we need to just not put ourselves in these situations? Yeah, I mean, I'm we sick beat ourselves, it. but Benfica did what they had to do, and they got the job done uh, as expected. Once you go up, a uh, man, it, it's hard. It's so hard. The work, the the work rate increases, and this is going to lead me to another topic and to another question in this game. Honestly, um, Selm's substitutions. I'm totally obviously the the logical one was to make Zep Pedro come on for Romario uh, Barro in the 24th minute because we needed another center back on the field. But the substitutions in the second half. Uh, the same problem happened last year in the first meetup where Conceição put in an attacker earlier on in the, in the second half when we really needed a cleanup guy, a guy that can, that can uh, contribute to the press to make things more difficult in the middle since you're down a man. Sergio didn't make a substitution until the 79th minute. Do you, do you agree with that? I feel like the, the, we needed fresher legs to just clog up that midfield and just keep the legs moving uh, running around the pitch, try to get some sort of press with fresher legs so it can be a little bit more difficult on Benfica's side and maybe even add a bigger body like Nico Gonzalez and, and Grujic, uh, both of them or one of them at least. What do you think? Problem is I don't agree with it, but I expect nothing less because how many times have I been pissed off that I see Francisco Conceição come in the last five minutes when, with this first runaround with us before he went to Ajax? When he went to Ajax, like I could completely understand like – Dude, you, you've been playing well, but how many times can you? How can you even show what you're capable of when you get five minutes at the end of the game? Yeah, and he does this, I guess, when we have eleven and when we have ten. Like this, he's just infamously known for late substitutions, and I, I do not understand it. And you made a valid point because in this situation, you have you're one less guy on the pitch. Like you're making up that ground somehow with your work rate. Right. Why not put fresh legs in the midfield when we have the depth there? Yeah, all right, and say say you don't want to go towards you know my approach would have been let's put in Grujic or Nico get a fresher set of legs on the middle of the pitch. They're big bodies; they can win these aerial duels. Throw something out there, but if you do want to go for it and actually you know go, I mean at this point you you needed to score, but I think beforehand, if you're gonna go for the win, you know in the 60th minute before Benfica scored. Why don't you make the substitutions then? Get some fresher legs then. Get get Gonzalo um, um, Gonzalo Borges in, or or uh, Ivan Jaim. Ivan Jaim coming in in the 84th minute doesn't make any sense to me. No. Why give these kids time? You, you're down 10 men. If anything, these players need time to gel into the game and adapt to a, t- a 10 uh, 10 v 11 because this isn't a normal situation to be in. You know, at practice, how, how often do they actually practice 10 v 11 or down a, a, a man drills? You know, in the game, you have to have time and you're making all these substitutions the last minute where all these players need to adapt to the situation. I think that was, uh, I don't know, I think that was wrong on Sergio's part. 
Yeah, no, I can see where you're coming from. I, it's frustrating to say the least. Like, Dimitrio scores in the 68th minute, so why have why haven't you decided if you want to go for the game or you're trying to just tie it? Like, yeah, like have, why haven't you made like there should be a substitution within the next like three four minutes. Yeah, I mean, after I mean at the least goal, one and, and after the happened. goal. You should have had one at least in the 58th, 60th minute. That's 60th minute mark. You know, I was watching the game at the Cranston Portuguese Club, and I was watching with Benfica fans and, and some Porto fans too. They were there. Uh, and I was telling them, listen, we're down a man. We need fresh legs early on. You know, 55, 60th minute, that's where the substitution needs to be made because once it turns into the 60th minute, that's when Benfica is going to start cranking it. The, the, the tired legs, the fatigue is going to come down, and there's so much time left on the clock. Get some fresh legs out there. Get some energy out there to make it a little bit uh, a little bit more difficult. There's five substitutions now. Come on, you had to make the you had to make at least one or two of them by minute sixty just to change something in the game. Whether you want to go for the win and add attackers, or just you know bring in Grujic, bring in Nico Gonzalez to just kind of control things in the middle, add size, add strength to the midfield. I don't know. I I. I whatever way you want it to go, whether it's attacking or defending, going for the win or going for the draw, you had to make a substitution at that point. And it, it didn't happen. I think that, I think this was a, a, a big, a big fall on Sergio. I'm not going to say it was going to work that we were going to win or we were going to secure a tie, but I think we should have went about it a lot differently. So I don't know, but Let's see what else. Uh, yeah, question here. So if, if I know this is all speculation, 11 v. 11, Cardoso doesn't get the red card. Do we win this game? No, we tie it. We tie it? That's because yeah. Pep's not there? <laughs> yeah, Cardoso still makes a mistake mentally. Yep. And lets up a goal. Well... I don't know. Uh, tough, tough loss, man. I, you know, this this was definitely a game that Benfica needed because if they had lost, they would have been four points behind us. Now, with them winning, we're only two points behind them, so it's not the end of the world. It's not like the position that we were in when we lost to them last year. I think we went down to like six points or seven points. So there's a lot of time, and... We just gotta, we gotta overcome this loss, and we just gotta keep moving forward and focus on the little games, and that's where the positivity comes in. We have to win. We have to win against the smaller teams, as much as it's it's important, and it feels great to beat Benfica. They are only two games, and of course, one of those games or two of those games can matter, but we have to dep- we have to rely on the smaller clubs uh, if we want to keep going uh, forward and winning the cha- uh, and winning the league. So. So yeah, that does it for this game. Let's uh, move on to the Champions League, which we play on Wednesday against Barcelona. We host them. Barcelona haven't come to town since the opening of the Stadio du Dragão on November 16th of 20, 2003. Exactly 20 years ago, basically. Uh, Jason, what are you, you going to make about this game? Barcelona... Lately in their league, they've been making quite a few mistakes. They had a rock-solid defense last year. They only allowed 20 goals all of last season in 38 games, and we're about seven or eight games in, and they already let up nine. They've been making quite a few mistakes. Um, And Porto, 
you know, much like Barcelona, they've been just squeezing by, you know, in their games, ones that they've won just by one goal. So how are you feeling about this? I mean, on paper, this Barcelona team has plenty of talent on the pitch. From a defensive perspective, I'm not impressed. But at the same time, if we're going to have an experienced center backs, like we may lose this game easily for two, right? Like we could score two, but maybe they score four. Like that's maybe the, the type of game it could be. But um, we just need Pepe in the lineup, man. We need someone experienced just to lock it down. Like I, I can see Pep. If Pep plays this game, I think we either win it 1-0 or we tie it 1-1. But uh, with, like, Carduzzi, like, I just don't know. It, it could go either way with me. Like, he could have a good day or he can just have a mental lapse and there it goes and opens the floodgates and the game's 4-2, 4-1. You know, like, they, they have that type of quality to score those goals. But with our actual starters in there, it, it'll be tough for them. It won't be easy. We're, we're not a walk in the park, especially in the Champions League. We like to play things conservative. We like to lock it down. And then once we figure out how the game's moving and what sort of direction it's going, and then we make our adjustments. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. We're a much different team and in the Champions League than we are in the league, obviously. Um, if you were going to line up the team against Barcelona, who would you go with? It would be Wendell left back. It'd be Carnemu. It'd be Pep if he's available and can play 90. I like João Mario at the moment. Galeno's got to be in there. Varela. I mean, uh, yeah, Varela, right? Yep. Varela. I'm going to go right side. I'm going to probably go Ishtaku here. I think he's he can he's made for this game here. Yeah. And then on the I'd go Pep, the attacking guy, Taremi. And then what am I missing? One player. Yeah. Got Loader, you got Ivan Jaime, Tony Martinez. I, if it's out of those three, it's Jaime. But yeah. it depends how we want to play in the midfield. Yeah. I think that's that's what's gonna determine. Like maybe even uh this might be a a Gruich game or a Nico Gonzalez game, right? I don't know what formation we're going to go. I don't know if he wants Pep to be more of a forward. Does he want to be more of a winger? You right. know, it, it, it's going to depend. Yeah. But uh, it'd be some sort of mix. Th those 10 for sure. And then the last one, I'd be unsure of who I'd go with until probably game day. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully Pep can make it. He picked up an injury and he was just a game time decision against Benfica. So there's a five day window here. So maybe it's enough time for Pep to come back and, and play in this game. I think we really need his leadership in this. And if we're able to sneak out a point at home against Barcelona, you know, it's a good start to the Champions League, you know, beating Shakhtar, who's probably the third best team in this group, you know, getting four points in the first two games and then do it getting a positive result against Antwerp it's a really good it would be a really good start to the Champions League and uh, I have to agree with you I think um, I think Ostakiu and Varela are going to be really key in this game and and it, it's been unfortunate it was unfortunate to not really see those two play uh, as well against Benfica due to the, you know being down 10 men because I think those two are, are slowly starting to find this um, this chemistry together and I think Ostaku is becoming a much better player, a much smarter player in terms of uh, with the ball as well and with his challenges. I think they complement each other really well. So I think this is a game where 
you know, if if we want to see them break out, I think in a game against Barcelona, who have a really good midfield, um, it, it'd be a really great thing to see them have a positive uh, performance. I think they can too. Um, what are your uh, predictions on this? How do you feel? If Pep plays, like I said, we either win one zero or tie one one. If he doesn't, yeah. I think we can lose four two. Yeah, yeah. For for me, I think it's all a matter of being extra sharp and no dumb mistakes. And I think that's that's been like the main thing this year and even last year, especially in the beginning of last year. It's the dumb mistakes, whether it's getting a red card early on in the game, putting us down a man, or just making a dumb mental fundamental. Uh, mistake in the back where it's just like a WTF moment. It's like Porto try, works so hard just to get a goal in general, and then you just throw it away by simple mistakes. And I feel like that's been the majority of our issues or the majority of the goals that we let up have just been fundamental errors. And against a team like Barcelona, we need to shape up and be sharp because they will make you pay. You know, they're not the Barcelona like they used to, but... They sure as do. They sure as hell have great players that can really pay the price uh, if Porto does make a mistake. So, and they have Robert Lewandowski, the guy's a cerebral assassin on the ball. So, one of the greatest goal scorers ever. So, we got to be sharp, sharp, and can't make those mistakes. That's my, you know, point on it. And I, I totally agree with you on the starting eleven. The attack is a big question mark. I guess it depends. I agree with you. It depends on how we want to approach this game. I could see Tony starting. I could see Ivan Jaime, maybe even Danny Loader, something different. But um, yeah, it all depends. But the rest, I pretty much agree with you on that. And I don't know, maybe we can see uh, uh, three midfielders in this game as well because it's Champions League. Sometimes we want to keep it keep it tight in the middle and lock down. That's always yeah. a possibility, especially against a bigger side. I think so, this is going to be a good game for Taremi and Galeno. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, obviously Barcelona likes to play possession they like to attack. So I think this is going to be, there's going to be moments in the game where they can exploit that. Yeah. And another unfortunate thing in this Benfica game, Galeno was superb. I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought he was he superb was. in this game. I think he was the best player for us. Him and Pepe really worked yeah. really hard. Um, uh, Hugo Costa made some excellent saves too, yep. but Galeno with, game. you know, with, with not having one guy, Yep. It, it just makes it difficult. And for an attacker to extend play, to create anything, you're missing that piece. So the sacrifice was made, obviously, in the attack, and it was a huge work for, uh, workload for Galeno. I thought he was really great in this game. For for being down a man, I thought he did great. He covered a lot of ground, too, both ways. Dude, that, yeah, that's another yeah. great point. One of the, yeah. He is so underrated in terms of his work rate and his defensive um his defensive ability. If you look up the amount of duels that this guy has been winning in recent weeks, it's insane. It, it, it goes under the radar on how great his work ethic is on the back. Listen, getting back. I don't want to tell any coach, but he'd make a better left back than Wendell, but we don't need anyone to know that because he needs to stay <laughs> in left. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he definitely does. He definitely does. <laughs> but all right. That does it for this, uh, preview of the champions league i'm gonna go with a prediction of one to one in this game i think we're gonna get a goal and i think barcelona i think we're gonna get an early goal i think we're gonna capitalize on a mistake or capitalize on a set piece and then barcelona are gonna are gonna get one and we're gonna i'm gonna settle with the draw on this one and i'll take it i I think that'd be a good start to the champions league 
So let's jump into the Twitter questions. Thank you guys for your participation. Uh, a lot of emotion in these for sure. So let's get straight to them. The first one comes from our friend Graham underscore Zhao at Graham underscore Zhao. Is Porto getting better? Should we be confident to our new players? I think we should not be pessimistic as Porto gets more points than it did last year at this time. This is important if Porto can further improve to compete for the championship this is a great question and it's good to hear from you again graham what do you think of that jason i i think they're getting better i think the guys are getting more games under their belt like you just spoke of with vedel and Estaki, we weren't able to see what they're actually capable of but i think the chemistry is coming together i think today is finding his feet a little bit better i think the rhythm's getting there mm-hmm. like we said i i thought omari was playing a great role in this game unfortunately he was a sacrificial lamb but he looked good in this game, and hey, it's been a while since he looked good. Unfortunately, the games he plays well, he either gets injured or he has a <laughs> terrible game and he gets subbed <laughs> off in the first half. So there's like no in between, but it was very unfortunate to see him get subbed off, but it, it is what it is. Karmu, to me, is getting a little more consistent. It's not wowing us, but it's playing the role, and to me, it's playing the role better than Cardozo. So I, to me, I think Karmu is a starter with Pep. And I've been happy with Wendell's performances. Diego Costa, I got nothing poor to say about it. And to me, João Mario is picking up where he left last year. And he's a very good attacker. Defensively, sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's bad. It's, a, it's like a coin flip. Yep. But uh, he hasn't really made errors that cost us goals. So I don't know. I think the team's getting better. I just hope we continue to rotate in the new guys. The new guys get more play time. And... I think we have a team to make a Champions League run in this next game. will uh, I'm not going to say it can make or break, but if we get a point here, it's it's a solid footing to, to go forward in the Champions League. Yeah, and in a perfect world, we get a point on Wednesday and then get the three points against Antwerp. You know, seven points in the first round of the group stage is not a bad start at all. So uh, there's a lot of wiggle room after, but... I love the point that Graham made that we have more points this year in the league than we did last year. And we're, we kind of have a similar start where we're just finding our way. But like you mentioned in the podcast that we recorded, well, we tried to record last week um, that we weren't able to put out because of technical uh, issues. Um, Porto's playing or getting the results of a championship team when even when they're not playing good, even when they're in a funk, you find a way to win somehow. And I think that's our number one trait. Uh, there was a couple of questions from last week about where our strong points uh, were on the field. And it's not really our midfield. It's not really our attack or anything. I think it's just our character, our identity of being resilient and never giving up. So this is good to see that we have we've been getting better results this year despite not playing well but i mean i think with time we're going to be much better it took until around this time the middle of october for us to pick up uh to pick up seam and start playing good football so hopefully uh hopefully it happens real soon and i think we're we're almost there i think this game against Benfica we could have uh played much better and we would have shown what we are capable of but we weren't able to cuz we got that red card early on so Let's see. Let's wait and see. Uh, next question, Craig at 
Craig 12, Portista. I second the loss uh, for words. What did you guys think? I really think this is Benfica. This Benfica team is weaker and we can still beat them. Still a long way to go. Eu acredito que vamos ser campeões. And so do I. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I we talked about this off air just before we hit the record button. Craig, uh, Craig thinks that Benfica is a weaker side and that we can beat him. You were kind of saying the similar things. What, what, what do you have to say? I'm not impressed by this Benfica by any means. Like, if you're gonna, if you want to go rewatch this film, like if as a Benfica fan, like there was not much positive to take away from it. You guys got the three points, and I'd be happy with that. Of course, I would never take that away. But from a team performance, I, I'd be, I'd be very disappointed. Like this is. Like, it didn't even seem like they came to play. Porto dominated the first 20, and then even the first half, Porto almost went level on possession with the man down for more than half of the first half. Yeah. So, like, it was it wouldn't be impressed. This Benfica side is very weak. There's a lot of cracks in it. And if Di Maria goes down, it's going to be a tough season. And the man is known for being injured. Yeah. I don't know how many full seasons he's played in his career. Yeah, especially lately with you know, his age and everything, it's it's hard to, especially as an attacker, as a defender, you can kind of get away with it playing more minutes and um, and more games. But, you know, towards the end of the season, we have to, Benfica have to keep an eye on on his health and if he has the legs to, to finish a full season. I don't know. But uh, I don't think, I don't think Benfica is a weak team. Uh, I'm not saying that's what you guys say or think, but um, they're not as great as they were last year. But you know, there's some cracks there, and I do think that we can still beat them, and I think we are a better team than them, and I think we're capable of much more. We just haven't been able to show it yet. So, like Craig said, it's a long season, and we'll see them in the next round when we play them. So, let's, let's not forget about Sporting, though. Let's yeah. not forget about Sporting. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Sporting have a really dynamite attack, and they've been playing really, really well this year. And I think they just lost Coates, uh recently. I think this past uh, weekend against Ferenc, they had a real like brutal game, a lot of drama, uh, red cards and penalties, and all that, all that nonsense. But I don't know how bad his injury is, and if he goes down, it's kind of like us, like with Pep. If Pep goes down, Coates goes down. You know, that's the leader, that's the defender, the the guy that holds everything together in the locker room. So let's see what happens there. FCP 1992 at FCP 1992. Is that red card worse than the Danilo one of a few years ago? Do you remember the no. one? From- no, it's not even close. Yeah. The, the, the one a few years ago wasn't a red card. Yeah. Like, that- there's no debate. There's just, <laughs> there's just that, no debate. Yeah, that was. There's, there's no debate. The guy was just backing up. He was not aware of anything. Yeah, exactly. It was, that was a disgraceful red card, to say the least. Yeah, the referee like that, got a little butt hurt or whatever. I, sometimes, like, like, I don't, I don't know if there was like a formal apology ever written or anything because I, I can't recall back then. But like, if I'm the referee and I rewatch that film, I'm embarrassed. I gave a red card for that. Yeah, and I mean that's it. That's Portuguese league refs, man, and, yeah, and their that was egos. A red card. That yeah. dude came out with so much, and he couldn't wait to to give a red card to someone, and it was it it was a mistake. You know, it was just a, a bump because the referee wasn't looking and he took it the wrong way, whatever. But yeah, no, it's like you can understand the the argument, right, with Fabio Cardoso's challenge. Do I yes. think it's a red card? No. I think we see it a lot. But 
if you look at the rule book, is it a red card? Maybe. I think it's harsh to give it in a big game like that. I would it, imagine imagine that card being shown for that challenge in a Champions League final, in a World Cup final. You know, it's you can't you can't this is the magnitude of this game. The biggest game of the season so far. You can't you can't just give a red card like that. I think it's a little harsh. I think it's a little rash as well. So, no, it's not it's not worse than the one from Danilo. Next question comes from Michael Teixeira at Tuga Cycling 916. Em condições normais vamos ser campeões. Em condições anormais também vamos ser campeões. Loved our fight onto the Champions League. Not a question, but yeah, that's a great quote from José Mourinho back in the day. So, you know, similar situation, similar message. Love it. Yeah, it's a great message. Luciano Feltrin at L Feltrin 98. I'm quite lost for words, but what did you guys think? Yeah, we pretty much we pretty much talked about it. It was harsh red card in my opinion. Some people say it is, some people say it isn't. You know, the argument is always going to be there. Um what what can you really do when you're Porto at at this point? You know, you're down a man with 19 minutes into the game and you got to play 71 minutes plus stoppage time. Uh, a man down the odds are it's like it, the odds of getting a positive result aren't really high so it's what what more could porto do and where could you really point where they went wrong on this i guess it's just the mistake on fabio cardoso's part but you, it's hard to criticize the club it's hard to really take anything in the negative or positive because the scenario just sucks <laughs> it's the worst scenario that you can be in in a big game so um i don't know uh, jason do you have anything else to add to this no, I think you pretty much summed it up. Don't, you don't want to get me riled back up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question comes from Manuel Pinto at Erui Duterra. Is football even worth watching anymore? I'm tired of all the corruption. Last World Cup, the Portuguese League is a joke. UEFA is always against the clubs, not in the top 10 in European competitions, in top five in European competitions. I don't know if I grew up and started to notice all the weird shit or is it, or it just became like this. Ugh, yeah. I mean Yeah, I mean I it, I can understand the frustration on this, but I don't think I could ever stop watching football despite I mean the Portuguese league is what it is. It's it, it's terrible officiating. I think there was a really bad call in the Estoril and and Boa Vista game. Uh, where Estoril got a penalty when there wasn't even any contact and VAR looked at it or they didn't look at it and the penalty still stood or whatever the scenario is. It's not just in the big games. It's even in the smaller games. And it's not just Porto. It's not just Benfica. It's it's across the board on how bad the officiating is in this league. And people tend to scream fire when it happens to Porto and Benfica and Spartan, but it's abysmal. It's it's embarrassing, and it is a joke. The league is an absolute joke, and I, I'm starting to believe. And maybe this is a question that that you can answer, Jason, and maybe Manuel, you can give us your opinion on it. But how do you feel about foreign referees coming to just ref these big games, the big derbies? I don't know if it's going to matter. I mean, the only thing that would matter is just it's. It comes to, this is an economics thing at the end of the day, right? 
how much are these referees actually getting paid? Yeah, they, like, they, don't, they don't make much in Portugal. It's, that's for it's sure. an economics thing. I mean, listen, if if you just watched the Prem this past weekend, like Liverpool was robbed of a clean goal. Yeah. Versus Tottenham. That's two big clubs. Big money. And they were robbed of a clean goal. Like th- These errors happen at every level. Yeah. I, I understand we let our bias get in the way and we want to scream corruption and all this. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. There's probably situations that corruption was a part of. And we would like to think maybe so it's less today, but um, it's just a part of the game. You got, you got to find a way to overcome it. Like, like I love fans that they claim every year that Benfica wins, it's corruption or every year that Porto wins it's corruption. But when their team wins, it's not corruption. I, I don't understand how that equation works. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, you just have to find a way to overcome it and become champion. That's how, what I say at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it was an unfortunate situation for us. And I'm not going to say it's because the referee likes Benfica or Benfica's corrupting whatever the system. I think it's just a typical bad call. And it's unfortunate that the referee was that big of an asshole to just give the red card, in my opinion. Uh, But referees do make those decisions and there are referees that don't make those decisions. It is what it is. You know, it, it, it it happens to the best and to the worst of us, I guess. Next question comes from Matt. Is Braga considered as a rival? If not, then why? And if so, why has it gone onto the radar compared with the rivalry with Spartan, for example? Braga are geographically not far from Porto, and they regularly compete at the top end of the table. What do you have to say about this? It's just they need league titles to be considered a rival at the end of the day. That's probably the biggest issue. Yeah. You need, you need more history. You need league titles. Like, yeah, you can play as well for the time being, but you still need to win the league. Like, that's a problem, right? At least Sporting's won the league. Yeah. And Benfica's won the league X amount of times. Like, Benfica's won it the most. And Sporting's won it quite a bit argument, of times. Yeah, and to the argument on that, we did play them in Europa League final, but I don't think that's really enough to really no. make us a rivalry. And I don't, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't hate Braga. No. It's, you know, I would rather see them win than Benfica and Spartan, you know, the, the league. But yeah. I don't really hate them, and I don't really see that 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 rivalry I, just yet. Braga plays us well. They play everyone well. They're a very good team. They have a great system uh, going on over there. And for about the last 15, 20 years, they've been a staple in the top four. They've made themselves the fourth biggest club in Portugal in terms of where they finish in the table. So I, I think there's still a long way to go. I think we need title shots, big games, um, you know, finals appearances and all that stuff for Braga to really be considered a rival with us. With Sporting, it's always it's always been that way for the longest time. So I think that's where, where the difference is. Jack Hacken, uh Jack Hacken, Feyenoord enthusiast at Companator with Uklasiku nearing. How does this game compare in terms of feel and atmosphere to the Dutch Classiker? And on a what uh, on a somewhat sad note, I wanted to ask what your thoughts are on the events around the most recent edition of the Classiker and how it reflects on Portuguese football. So this question was asked last week and it was supposed to be for uh, the previous episode that we couldn't put out. So two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, there was the Dutch Classic between uh, Feyenoord and Ajax where 
where IX was home and Fire Nord were winning three to nothing and a bunch of flares and whatnot were thrown onto the pitch and they had to suspend the game. Uh, I don't know. Do you feel that there's some sort of similarity between U Classico here and then the Classico in Dutch football? I feel like the leagues are a little bit different from each other, but I don't know. Uh, what do you think about it? I think the biggest thing <clears throat> that I said last week was that Pafika and Porto are both kind of in a similar situation at the moment. Neither club is really in shambles. So I think that's the big difference at the moment with that, the classicer. IX is kind of in shambles. <laughs> yeah. And they, they hit the red button and emergency uh, lights are flashing. So like I, I don't know much about it. So I, I can't speak to it. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's a derby. And there's got to be quite a bit of similarities too. No, like suspensions. You know, nope. I, I can't remember a class, U Classico being suspended due to the fans or anything like that. I mean, if nope. it happened, it must have been a really, really long time ago. So, I mean, in terms of that, I can't really see. I can't remember any comparisons. I don't have any to off the top of my head. But you know, between the, I don't know the 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 prestiges and the history among both clubs, I'm sure the, the, the rivalry is as exciting as, you know, U Clasico. So uh, I don't know too much about that, that Derby, but they are two very big clubs alongside PSV Eindhoven. I know all three of them despise each other. And I think all of the Netherlands hates Ajax. So whenever they play against Ajax, it's always a big game. Next question comes from Niku Pachetti Terra at N Pachetti Terra. Do you think that Sergio Conceição should just give up on Teremi? It wasn't his fault, but he was atrocious today and has been for a while. Always slows the game down way too much. Meanwhile, our other strikers sit on the bench doing nothing. I mean, I don't want to say that he slows the game down way too much because I think this guy can just like really turn it up in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net. I think he's a brilliant player. He's a big body. He's a complete striker that's able to distribute, drop back, go out wide. Uh, I think his one-on-one ability to get past defenders are su- is super underrated. His link-up play is is pretty damn good too, and he can extend play because he's he's a big body. So on goal kicks, on punts, He's able to win headers over defenders and extend the play. So uh, I don't. I can see where where he's saying that he's a bit slow at times, and at times he can slow down the game. But I think he's just too important on his day. I think he's a wonderful player. What do you think? I think his toolkit is just too dynamic in comparison to the ones on the bench. And like a guy like Fran Navarro can end up be, panning out to be much better. But for the for the times he's been in, he hasn't scored or been like to like very effective to the point where he would bench Tedemi. So like until someone is that consistent, like it's Tedemi's job still. Yeah. And I yeah, that's the problem. It's just like, you, you know what Tedemi's done and he's still producing. Like it, it's may not be goals at the end of the day, but like who else, like he's giving guys chances and they're not producing either. So when you have that toolkit, you're the most valuable one of them out of the rotation at the moment. So yeah. for the time being, he's still the man for the job, but until a sub comes on and starts changing the game, becoming clutch and earning that starting position, the key's the man. 
yeah Unfor- like whether you like to admit it or not it just that that's life at the end of the day yeah and the three games prior to the benfica to the benfica match it he had a goal he had two goals and an assist and he had one of those in each of the games so three points he can contri- three straight games he contributed to a goal so his presence is definitely valuable and I think he's starting to catch a stride now and, and starting to play much better. It's just unfortunate that in this game, he had to just basically be by himself up there. So that's never easy. Playing down a man on the road against Mefica, it, it's like, what more can you really do at that point? I wouldn't really judge Tedemi or anyone's performance based on this game after the red card of Cardoso because there's only so much a team can do. Lulu 90 at Lu. At Lou U six eleven U, have the Portugal refs said anything about the game yesterday? <laughs> uh, I I know there was some some uh, former referee that went over the a couple of incidents in this game. It was obviously the Cardoso red card. He seemed to agree with the decision because based on the rule, the referee can send him off because he obstructed Nedish from despite winning the ball his follow through tackle wiped him out and wiped out an opportunity of Ned getting the ball and going one-on-one with Diogo Costa. The other one was Teremi's penalty, quote-unquote, like Porto, Sergio Conceição mentioned that Teremi should have been, uh, should have gotten a penalty when Benfica's goalie knocked the ball and then the follow-through wiped him out. It's two different scenarios. There's no chance of Teremi. If the ball went forward and Teremi was able to recover, the ball, then maybe there's an argument there, but the keeper won it clean and the ball went back. And then, yeah, he did wipe him out. But the the argument on Benfica's end is it's not necessarily the follow through. It's the follow through because there was a chance of him winning the ball and going on goal. And he had his leg stuck out. So if the ball had gone forward in Teremi's case and he was going after the ball, then there could be an argument. But that's what the referee the the referee on I don't know if it was RTP or or Abola TV or whatever it was that those are the two instances that he went over and I guess João Pinheiro got it right according to him but but yeah that's that's all they really talked about G at I am I am Gus Bus this classico left me speechless truly believe 11 v 11 we beat Benfica easily First half, Porto didn't even look like they were down one player. What were your thoughts on the game? What do you think about that, Jason? I mean, I'll say it again. I wasn't impressed by this Benfica. Um, at any moment, if Di Maria goes down, this Benfica is in full panic mode. They are not half the squad they are without him. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Porto, in the first 20 minutes, did really well in the uh, winning duels in the middle of the pitch and just really controlling the game. I know Benfica had uh, a pretty scary, I don't want to say opportunity, but they had a moment where they got into our box and, and we got a scary moment, but they ended up squandering that opportunity. But Porto did pretty well in the first 20 minutes until you know until the red card, and that always changes everything. So I, I think we could have won this game. Um, I'm not saying that the the result would have been different, but I think our odds would have been different. And Porto definitely have a good team when they have eleven players on the field. So it's unfortunate. That's 
that's all I have to say. It was just very unfortunate for us to go down a man because I believe it could have been a different result for sure. But that was actually the last question. And that's going to do it for this episode. Jason, any last words, Any anything positive you have to say before I wrap this show up? Nothing positive. I just want our guys to get the freeze in their head. Stop being an idiot. Yeah. I'm sick of these rookie mistakes, these errors that cost us games. No reason you should be like I said, Fabio Corozo should never have been in that position to even get a red card or it shouldn't even been open for interpretation if he had. Yeah. If he was experienced enough and just aware of the surroundings, he just saw it was a Darren in headlights. The dude saw something flat uh shiny and he just went to go chase it. Like, dude. You need to compose yourself, you're a center back, be aware of the situation. You see the whole game. Your back line was positioned perfectly. You need to take advantage of that and play the offside. You know someone's faster than you. Use what you have to your advantage. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, it's it could have been avoided, and I didn't even realize it until you mentioned it before the podcast. Where you know, go look at the film and see like how bad his positioning was, and and it really made sense too. It could have been avoided. Uh, had he played the offside trap because David Neres would have been offside by two meters or a meter and a half at least. It was it was Fabio Cardozo that kept him on, and then he had to get into that position. But as for me, the positivity is, as Graham Zhao said, we have more points than we did last year at this point, so that's always a positive. And we're grinding out games that we feel that, you know, we're, that we could have squandered. And at some point, we're going to start playing better. We're going to be a much better team. And I think we're going to look back at all the games that we suffered through to watch. Uh, and who knows? I think at the end of the year, it might pay off. So at some point, we just have to, uh, at some point, we're going to pick it up. So we just have to remain positive And let's just focus on the next game and just put this game in the rearview mirror. And we'll see Benfica again soon this year. And we'll see who's who's laughing and who gets the dub in the next round. So... Let's stay positive. It's not the end of the world. We're not far off from first place. So it's a much better situation this year than it was last year. So thank you all guys for tuning in for another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. Follow us on Twitter at FC Porto Pod ENG. On Instagram, Porto Pod ENG. On Facebook, the Porto Podcast in English. And if you like the show, Hit the five stars, whether it's on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform that you listen to us on. Leave a review. It really helps us grow. We would really appreciate it. And we'll see you all on the next episode.